I love the witness of the Spirit of God among us. You know, as soon as Brother Rodriguez took the microphone and began to pray, the Spirit of God began to manifest himself to us through the words that he was inspired to speak. Did you see that? Did you feel that? Praise God. That's, that's the Lord making an expression to his body. Praise God. And I, oh, let's dismiss the children. Chase those teachers down. Give them a run for their money today. <laughs> I appreciated the, uh, the bluntness of that song, Loren. We don't use words like dirty very often. But it's a reality. I don't know if you remember feeling dirty and then wanting to feel clean. Praise God. I appreciate the bluntness of it. Okay, Matthew 6. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat or what you shall drink. Nor yet for your body. What you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat. And the body than raiment. Next verse. Behold the fowls of the air. For they sow not. Neither do they reap. Nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Now, in the scripture, it's, it's posed as a question. But we know he's really not asking a question. He's trying to make an expression. Don't you know that I see you as more important than the birds? So it's not a mystery. He's trying to, again, reveal himself to us. Next verse. Which of you... We'll see a show of hands on this one. By taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature. Shoes. No, I'm just kidding. 28. And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, how they toil not. Neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you. That even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith. Again, it's marked with a question mark as though. The Lord is asking us a question that we should come up with an answer, but there's no needed answer or even a reply because his communication is trying to make an expression to us. You're worrying about too many things in life. And can't you understand that I see you in each moment 
that I see your needs, that I can take care of you. And so he appeals to us to see him in that light as our heavenly father that cares, that loves. It was the very expression that we begin to feel when you begin to pray in the beginning of this setting here today. It was the expression of the love of God that says, I care for you. I love you. I watch over you. Yet it seems like so oftentimes so many areas of our life can be consumed with thought or let's say worry. What about and what if? And if we allow those thoughts to remain, well, it brings us down to the final description at the bottom of the page. Oh, you of little faith. (laughs) There's an intersection. If you take this road and go up to the top and it runs into spires. Take a left and go down the hill. There's another little intersection down the bottom of the hill. I think it goes over. It's called Sela Natchez or Sela Bleed or something like that. Anyway, years ago, when I was 17, my mother had gotten a Fleetwood Cadillac. She'd wanted it for a long time. And she hadn't had it very long. But I was probably asked to go into town and pick something up. And so I said, can I take your car? And so she was sympathetic to me because I had just drove all the way from New Jersey and made it out here. So anyway, I get in this car and I'm heading down this hill. Well, that, that intersection is kind of notorious for having some gravel in it on the road all, at all times. Well, tires spin in gravel. And brakes don't stop in gravel. And there was a car sitting at that intersection. But I'm tooling down the road and a Fleetwood Cadillac's pretty heavy car. Anyway, whoever was driving the car pulled out. All I could do was hit the brakes. Well, he tried to pull out, and the tire spun, so he couldn't get out, only out in front of me. And that car plowed into him, and then I had to call my mother. (laughs) I had a flashback the other day, yesterday. It was in that same intersection. I was sitting in the intersection, in the case of the other driver, on compact snow and ice. And as I was sitting there, waiting my turn, I see there's cars coming down the hill. And the car that comes into the intersection, there's a young lady driving. And her eyes are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And she's looking up like at, at me like. And I thought, oh, yeah, you're going to hit me. And so I just peppered the gas pedal. Lo and behold, on that black. Or that, uh, you know, that compact snow and ice. My car lunged forward. And she went right past me. And let me me tell you the first thoughts that came to me as I left that intersection. 
you really don't know, you really know where I am. You care about you care about the little things. You see where I'm at. And there's times where you step in. I'm thinking, man, I actually had traction on that compact snow and ice. It was like it was dry road. And, of course, then the, my mind floods with stories that people have told me about their situations. And here they thought catastrophe was coming. And out of nowhere, it seeming like they were rescued. Can't answer for it. Can't explain it. He says, take no thought for the morrow. Now, I have to compare this. I have to make a comparison. Elder Hart and his son Joey were going through an intersection. And there was a car coming through the intersection. And what happened? Bam! Plowed right into him. Well, was the Lord busy at that moment? Did he, was there not, was he not paying attention to where Elder Hart was? Going through that, didn't he see that car coming the other way? Sure he did. He knew every detail. He knew it was going to happen before it happened. He allowed for it to happen. And I would dare say that in his purposes, it was a part of his plan. Do I understand all the details of that? Can I explain all the? No, I cannot. But I can have a faith and a trust that I'm more important than the birds. That Elder Hart and Joey were more important than the birds. And that there was something that God was manipulating in their circumstances, in their situation. We have to have a, a confidence. We have, a have, we have to have a trust that the Lord knows where we are. And there are scenarios and situations that he will even lead us into. But his hand is not removed. Let me read just a little further. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. What did that mean? He was talking to Jews. He was talking to the seed of Abraham. And he was trying to get them to understand that the Gentiles are not the seed of Abraham. Not in this dispensation. And so... These are the kinds of things that invade their mind and their thinking. And they're constantly thinking about them. It's the way of the world. This isn't your world. That's not the realm that you live in. I'm here for you. I don't know how many times in scripture the Lord attempts to reveal himself to us as our father. And uses the reference of the natural father to show us how much he is watching over and caring for us. Now, I realize that's kind of a...
blank statement to everybody in the room. But let me give you the qualifier. When you bend your knee in repentance, when you turned your heart to him, when you went down in the waters of baptism in Jesus' name, took upon yourself his name, that's the qualifier. It's not about how well you're doing today or how difficult it was for you yesterday. But it's who you are. It's who we are in him. When we were reading uh, in Genesis... I was thinking about how upset, according to the scripture, God had become with mankind. And he resolved, I'm going to do something about this. I get the sense he was kind of livid. I get the sense that he, when he started to communicate about the evil and the things that man was constantly thinking about and the actions that they were participating in, he became livid with their activity that he resolved, I'm going to wipe them out. That's pretty extreme. I mean, not like I'm going to get him in trouble. I'm going to punish him. I'm going to, no, no, no. He said, I want to wipe them out. And then the Bible says that one man, Noah, found grace in the eyes of the Lord. There was something about the life of Noah that caught the eye of God. But that's not the portion I want to draw your attention to. When God came and spoke to Noah and had him build the ark to the saving of his house, when it came time for them to go into the ark, He told Noah to gather his family, his wife, his sons, their daughters. I mean, their uh, wives. And at once, all at once, I realized, wow, it was a good deal to be related to Noah. It never says anything about his kids having faith in God or anything else. But yet we know there were eight saved by water, according to second Peter. And it was he and his wife and his family. But it was he, it was his life. One man that caught the eye of God. That said, I'm going to destroy everybody, but I'm not going to destroy you and anybody related to you. He didn't say that. But we see this in reading the scripture. You know, I've heard it said through the years, you know, you you can't, you know, you can't walk on your parents' faith. You got to you got to have a walk for God yourself and all that stuff. And these are that's true. That's true. But we can never underestimate the value of a decision that a father made. And a walk, somehow, a relationship and walk with God 
that caught his eye and his attention that he would bring salvation to his house. Let's pray for a minute. Come on, let's pray for a minute. Father, I submit my home to you. I submit my life to you. I submit my children to you. I submit my grandchildren to you. In the name of Jesus, you are my covering. You are my help. You are my strong tower. You are the health of my countenance, Lord Jesus. Your eye goes to and fro in the earth. uh, And you see and you watch. And and you're aware of where we are. And you're aware of the things that we face. And there's nothing too hard for the Lord. I have found myself at times concerned and probably slid right on over to worried for family, for children. I never forget one day my kids flew into the airport in Seattle and decided to go ahead and drive on over the pass in the nighttime. Do you remember what month that was? In June, and hit a freak snowstorm. It's doing what? Dad, it's snowing so hard, we can't even see through the windshield. Well, it's a two and a half hour drive on dry road. I don't remember how long it took, but I remember sitting up the entire night in the living room on my face praying to God. I was worried. I was borderline scared. And so we're faced with situations in life. It's not easy. It's not easy to take this scripture at face value and say, take no thought. I got it covered. But the the declaration of the word is, He has it covered. He knows where we are. He can call us by name. The hairs are numbered on most of our heads. I want to read another setting of scripture here. In Exodus... Chapter 1 at verse 15. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives. Of which the name of the one was Shepra. The name of the other was Puah. And he said. When you do the office of the midwife to the Hebrew women. And see them upon the stools. If it be a son then you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. The king wasn't entirely sure even really who he was after. 
But he had speculated over the two-year period and said, I want every child, man-child, boy-child to be destroyed. Now, think about that in, in today. I'm not going to use our own scenario in our country. I'm not even going to put that word out into the air. Okay. But it would be like a reigning authority to put out a law that all children, all boy children were to be put to death. Now, we have enough problems in our world today with children and unborn children, as it is. But it seems unimaginable. But the extremes of things that are taking place, even in our world today, it just seems unimaginable. But there are so many things that can take place. When you, when, you, when you begin to realize that because there are you know we like to think that just everybody thinks the best for our safety, our health, our children's health, our children's safety. But that's not true. No, there's, there are elements in this world that they don't care for life there's no value on life, and they place other things in value above human life. All right? But if when my life is submitted to God, you know, this was a scenario when he was trying to destroy the deliverer, which would be Moses, right? So in God's plan, there was one coming in God's purpose, just like his purpose is for you and I, he had purpose for the people. He had purpose with a young boy that would come into this world and be raised up to be the deliverer. And God makes provision. This is my point. Even though a, 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 a high power in the land, a, an extremely high authority in the land, you know, everybody's up in arms about the laws being passed and, you know, things that are being done and what the media propagates to you. And it causes worry and it causes fear and fear debilitates us, the people of faith. We, we need to come to a place of understanding he knows where we are. He knows where my children are, especially when I'm lifting up their, their name to him. He cares what we eat. He cares that we're clothed. Matthew chapter 2. 
at verse 11. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Here we have another scenario where the supreme ruler in the land has now heard through a prophecy that there is another king. And him not wanting a competing king, not understanding that this is the king of kings, he wants to find and discover to destroy A king. I know it's hard for us to make the stretch. Because it's such a stretch. But it would be like the highest authority in our land saying, I'm coming after you. And I will tell you this. The call of God. Oh, yeah. The enemy puts a target on their back. He goes after them. He goes after our children. Now, here is a scenario where the the highest authority in the land is going after this child. And so he has told these wise men, when you find him, come back and tell me where he is. Now, today... They just get on Facebook and see where you are. There is such a digital print. Words you've spoken, words you've typed, facial recognition, all of these things. Oh, they already know where you are. They, somebody, if they wanted to, they could find you very easily and probably convict you of being a Believer, if that's what they were looking for. But here, he's trying to find, and he's told these wise men, but what happens? God stepped in. And he warned them in a dream. What's that look like? The wise men gave their gifts. They saw the Christ child and they said, wow, this is great. It's late, man. Let's go to bed. And they laid down and went to bed. And I don't know if they all had the same dream or one of them had the dream or the the lead wise man had the dream. Somebody had a dream. And in the dream, God warned them and said, don't return to Herod. Go another way. My point being is God Stepped in and intervened and did not let ha- let anything happen to the child.
Being warned of God in a dream, they should not return to Herod and departed into their own country another way. Next verse. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word. Are you serious? No, don't change your plan. Don't go where you were headed. I want you to go over to Moxie. You'd know it was God then, right? I want you to go over to Moxie and stay there until I send you word again. Uh, back, back one verse. So, sorry, 13. Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee into Egypt. Be thou there until I bring thee word again. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Herod represents governmental authority in the land. Not in the kingdom, but in the land. You understand? And so this is the picture of powers in this world coming after chosen children. Getting my point? And God saying, hold on, no. Go over here. Uh, honey, pack the bags. Uh, we got to go to Moxie. Moxie? For what? We're not in the hop business. Honey, just trust me. I feel like the Lord has impressed me that we're not supposed to go where we were. I know we've been planning, and I know this is where everybody's expecting, but no, we've got to go here for a while. How long? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? How, what do I pack? How do I, you know... Let's take it out of this storybook and bring it into real life. And be a people led of God. You know, when Saul was chasing after David to kill him, there were times when David would go with his men and the Lord would tell him, go into this cave. And then they would just go into this cave and stay there. Well, you can't see what's going on in a cave. So David had to just wait until the Lord spoke to him again. And then when Saul's army was going across the fields and behind the mountain, then the Lord would say, all right, everybody out of the cave. Let's go. Man, you're thinking, why doesn't he just, you know, bring his fist out of heaven and squish those guys and you know, destroy the, those that are trying to destroy him. But no, he lets them go through this exercise of waiting on him, trusting him, and being obedient to him. I mean, put yourself in the men's shoes. What now? What now? We're ready. Let's fight. No, wait, stay. But there they go. There they go. We can... No, just stay, just stay. Somewhere, 
There's got to be a someone with an ear and waiting and hearing and trusting. Let's pray again. Come on, let's make some expression to him. In the name of Jesus. 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 Ham, Shem, and Jephthah. Their greatest benefit in life was who they were related to. You know, children, we didn't choose our parents. You don't choose your parents. But these young boys, these young men, now married, their greatest benefit in life was their dad. Because their dad caught the eye of God. And there is a blessing that passes on to the seed. The ensuing generations, I know, Everybody's got to make their own choices. I know when it comes to salvation, every person's got to bend their knee. People need to be baptized in Jesus' name. They need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But I want to tell you, there is a blessing that comes on your home. There is a blessing that comes on your lineage. When you make consecration, when you make commitment unto God... When you spend time in prayer, which is a spiritual act, it sows something. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. You know, that's buying cars, building houses, farming land. That's physical work. That's achieving goals. But there's something that takes place in the spirit When we participate in spiritual activity, in prayer, reading the eternal word, worshiping God, that sows something, yes, into the kingdom of God, but I would dare say, sows something into my home. I have to snicker once in a while when I see my kids and I recognize the anointing upon them. I think, well, they might think they got that on their own, but (laughs) I know it started a long time ago. 
I had a grandmother who's passed on now, Myrtle Reisman. Many in the family, the cousins, mocked her because she had to be at the church every time the doors were open. But she had a walk with God. And when I finally yielded to God and turned towards him, she was my bridge. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know who to talk to. So I just drove to wherever grandma was. And she was my bridge. And some of the most powerful prayer meetings I've ever been in were in her kitchen with her. Her and I, nobody else. There was a greater witness to me of who she was in those moments. Let's pray again. Come on. Come on, let the Lord take us to where he's wanting to lead us to right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We submit our lives to you, Father. We submit our lives to you, Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Kialamande lehi aramataha. Ikialamando yosuye le matanaye. Listen, I know people who along the way have fallen off the path. But for the season of time that their heart was there, that they were yielded there, and they participated in an eternal work, that work, those expressions, they live on into the next generation. I've seen it. So it doesn't matter pointing back and saying, oh, if they would have, could have, should have. No, 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 no. Now it's your time. Maybe there's some in your lineage, maybe in your family that went on before you. And they started something. We're not the judge of where they are now. But what we are a judge of is it's now our time. Hebrews spoke of a great cloud of witnesses. All those that went on before us. And and it says that they are incomplete without us. Whatever it is that we're supposed to do and function and purpose in the kingdom of God in this life. Is a finishing of something that started in their generation. We were driving the other day, my wife and I, and we, we, you know, there's no leaves on the trees, so you can actually see. And we were driving past Hera on Lateral A. I didn't realize how close it was to Lateral A. It was just right over there, Hera. Look at all those houses. I said, where is that? What town is that? And then it dawned on me, that's Hera. My wife reminded me, is that where your mom got the Holy Ghost? I said, yeah. 16 years old, little Assembly of God church out there in Hera. She received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I wish she could have continued throughout the rest of her life in what was started in that day. But I will tell you this. 
there were things that were planted into my life because of things that were done in previous generations. What my grandmother started at was it was her, my, her, I don't remember who it was. I think it was her father started it. That's as far back as I can know or remember. But then it was my grandmother and then it was my mother. And now it's my generation, my kids. And now their kids. I see blessing and I see anointing upon their lives that I know reaches back to grandma. And maybe some others. And the commitments that they did. My grandmother showed up one year and she'd bought us all Bibles. Had a zipper around them. Had very small print. But I remember how proud we were carrying those Bibles, going to church, where we were in Dover, New Jersey, until our St. Bernard got a hold of them, peeled some of the corners off. But let me, let me ask you something. Do you think that one little action meant something? Oh, yeah. I know today. See, it has a place in my memories. It was something that one day would cause me to reach back to God. I went through my teenage years. I went through my wild hair years and did all that I did. But what's the Bible say? Let me see. Raise up a child in the way that they should go and they'll not depart from it that doesn't mean they won't run off they can't get away from it it will be there it will continue to speak to them and there will be times it will begin to draw them the spirit of God will begin to draw them and he'll flood their memories with the things that they experienced We can't let it pass. We can't let a moment go by. When there is an opportunity to sow into the lives of our children and our grandchildren, the things that are eternal, that which is fleshly is temporal and it will come to an end. That which is spiritual, the things of God are eternal. That's why, you know, that's why that you'll, you'll reach back to a time and say, I remember the time I prayed the prayer. I remember the time when I made the expression to God. Why does that come back to us? Because it's living. It's eternal. And God brings that back into our remembrance to let us know, yes, This is an extension. This is a continuance. Why don't you stand with me? Only you can consecrate to this. Only you can commit to this. I feel like that the Lord 
has want, wanted to make this expression to us today. Look, I know where you are. And I'm watching. And I care for. And I care for. And I am aware of. But he wants us to make a commitment to him. That's just not for us. But it lives on past us. Believe in the power of consecration, making steps of conquer, consecration, stepping out of my seat in acknowledgement. My spirit bears witness with this word. I receive it unto myself. I embrace it, and I will walk in it. I will walk with your help, Lord. I will walk in it in the name of Jesus. Come on, come make an expression, would you? Come and find a place in this altar and make an expression to God. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, this is not a show among people. This is a, a commitment with self. Self, I'm, you're going to serve the Lord. Self, you're going to be consecrated to Him. Self, you're going to be committed in prayer. You're going to yield to the baptism of the Holy Ghost in your life. Hallelujah, yeah.
think her name was Jochebed. That would be the mother of Moses, who was just a baby boy. She feared. She feared for the life of the child. To try to do something to sustain him. She hid him in the reeds along the banks of the Nile River. Crafted some kind of a situation that would float in the water. Sent, I believe, her daughter to watch. Keep an eye on him over there. Yeah, can you can you understand the climate of that? Laws are being passed in the land that they're killing children. And she has a child. She's hiding him away. And then the child cries. child lets out a mama the daughter of Pharaoh hears it the daughter of the one that passed the law hears the cry of the child send somebody down fetch that child for me that's one of the that's one of the little Hebrew babies And God puts compassion in the heart of Pharaoh's daughter. And I think it's the sister that says, Would you like me to get one of the Hebrew women to nurse him for you? Mom! Sure, why don't you do that and let her know. I'll put her on staff and I'll pay her. Now get the picture. They are in slavery to these people. And who they are slavery in slavery to, now God uses one of them to not just take the child and really protect the child, but now begins to give you wages. To raise your standard of living. Why does he reveal these things to us like this in scripture? Isn't it to show us the things that he can do for us in our lives? Isn't it to reveal himself to us and say, look, I'm God. Don't get all caught up with the cares of life. I care for you. You're in relationship with me and I with you. I care for you. Let's stand. Let's stand. Now, we have the benefit. We can read after the fact that all these things happened and how God did all these things. You realize before that, nothing could they have imagined could compare that's the kind of things that God will do 
that will bear witness to who? To you. To let you know, I know where you are. Others may not know, but you and I'll know. I know where you are. Lord, we're thankful for your word, for the promises of your word. For the inspiration of your spirit that we have witnessed here in this gathering today. We believe you. We are believers. We trust you. And we acknowledge this expression to us today of love and and care and thought. In Jesus' name. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.